Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this week's podcast. If you haven't already, I've probably asked you before, but please do rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. It helps us out so much, and we're growing every week because of you. Enjoy the show. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25 20. Breaks a tackle. 15 10 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes the handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 in advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. So there's death, taxes, and the Kansas Jayhawks winning the Big 12 Conference for a 14th straight year. Congratulations to Kansas, and unfortunately, the rest of the Big 12, you just can't get by them. You just can't do it. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us as always. If it's your first time on the show, heartlandcollegesports.com is your independent Big 12 media outlet. And it's uh, it's really great to be talking with you guys, as always, across Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, West Virginia. Still waiting on that first radio affiliate in Iowa to join us whenever it wants to happen. Just drop us an email, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. So the Kansas Jayhawks are the Big 12 champs again. They get by Texas Tech on the road last week. And what I come out of this weekend and week thinking is that Devontae Graham is the Big 12 player of the year. And to me, it's not close. Keenan Evans gets hurt. Keenan Evans gets hurt at Texas Tech. Javon Carter's had a nice year. But you really look at this Kansas team from start to finish, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, and this is not the same team. This team has grown, has improved, has battled. No Billy Preston, a five-star guy that they thought was going to be a big-time player for this team and be that one-and-done type guy that could go out there and do big things for this team. That never happened, and there was no Josh Jackson on this team. There was not that one-and-done player that you think of Kansas having, Andrew Wiggins. Those guys don't exist, Joel Embiid. They're not on this team. They're not. They're good players, of course, but those are not the kind of guys that this Bill Self team has. And they've overcome a lot of adversity. They've been able to get beyond some hurdles that they had to that most Kansas teams don't. And I look at Devontae Graham, and I'm not just looking at the numbers here and saying to myself, well, you know, I see the uh, points per game at 18, second in the Big 12. I see the assists per game, second in the Big 12, uh, second in assist to turnover ratio. I see all these things, and it makes me impressed. But what makes me more impressed 
is that he has become a leader for this team and that what Devontae Graham has done this year is he has set up a situation that this team is going to thrive on, not just next season, but in 2018 and 2019 and 2019 and 2020. His presence is going to be felt for a while because you have these solid group of sophomores like Azubuke and Newman, and maybe they aren't around for their senior years. But if this group is, then they are going to look back on this year with Devontae Graham, see not just how he carried this team on his back, you know, on the court, but what he did off the court. Look back to the Texas A&M game that they won. He didn't play well. They still won it. He did some other things that had to be done. This was not like Devontae Graham has to score 30 points for this team to win. That's not the case. It's almost in many ways the anti-Trey Young, which is why I feel so much even more stronger about the idea of making Devontae Graham the Big 12 Player of the Year. And I don't think there's any question that this is the guy that deserves that spot, deserves that title based on how this season has gone across the Big 12 Conference. You could have made a case for Keenan Evans. I certainly could have gone there, but he got hurt. Evans got hurt. They lost the game to to, uh, Kansas. They're not Big 12 champs. And winning has to be a factor in this award. I believe that not just at the college basketball level, but really in any award. Heisman Trophy, MVPs in the NBA or NFL. Not only do you have to be a great player, but you have to be a great player on a team that's winning. Because how valuable are you really if you're a great player on a team that stinks? I've thought that forever. And with the way Oklahoma's playing, I'm sorry. I mean, Trey Young has put up some nice nights. He's had some great games, some highlight reels for SportsCenter. But when I'm talking basketball player of the year, complete player, it's Devontae Graham. And that's not a debate in my mind. So I know some people are going to say, well, look at what Trey Young's doing. He leads the conference in points and assists, and he's got all these highlight reels. I don't care about the highlight reels. I really don't. It's not important to me. It never has been. I care about teams winning, how you win, what you do for your team to help you help them win, and how that plays out throughout a season. And Devontae Graham, a four-year guy, and you think about the Jayhawks and all the one-and-dones and the five-stars, this guy's been here for four years. He's done it the right way. He's respected the game, and he deserves the top award. I, I just don't think there's any way around that. I, I really don't think so. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Now, from a... a Another basketball perspective here. I was thinking about this as the week went on. And it was the idea that, you know, I I like the Big 12, of course, and where it is as a basketball conference. And I think it's certainly the difference in America. Iowa State can beat Kansas. There's not many conferences where you can say the bottom team on any given night can beat the top team on any given night. There's, There's not many places you can say that. And you can in the Big 12. And that's worth something. That's a huge deal. But I wonder if come March Madness, are there multiple teams that can make deep runs in this conference, in this NCAA tournament? I'm not sure there are. I look around the conference, I see Kansas playing 
really good basketball right now. In many ways, this team is hitting its stride, and it's playing such team ball. I mean, so many times you think about the one-and-dones that Kansas has had that we've mentioned, like a Jackson or a Wiggins, and you say, wow, you know, the one-and-done guy, it's the Kansas Jayhawks, pick him for a deep run, and then they disappoint in the Sweet 16 or the Elite 8 or something like that. This team is actually more well-rounded, more team-oriented, all those different things that you really want in a basketball team. So I think Kansas is a team that's hitting its stride at the right time and can make a run like that. But look around the conference. Texas Tech finds itself in a you know tough situation right now. They've had a really bad two weeks, losing a ton of games. And they looked all out of sorts on Monday night in Morgantown. They've lost four straight. And I know that they've been without Keenan Evans, without Zach Smith, Justin Gray as well, key players. But you don't just get that mojo back when all these guys return and are healthy. They have to get in the game shape. They got to get their timing back as a unit. There's a lot that goes into that that is not just like everybody showing up. And I think that's something that I look at and I say to myself, it's it's concerning. So many times this tournament simply comes down to who's hot at the right time and who makes that run. And Texas Tech has had a great season. But what have you seen that makes you think this team is prepared for a big run? Don't tell me those guys are going to be back and healthy soon. That's great. But you know what? They're going to be a little out of game shape. And they are going to need some time to get their gel back as a unit. That doesn't happen in a couple of practices. Now, as for the West Virginia Mountaineers, you know, I don't want to be um, an anti-Bob Huggins guy. I, you know, But he hasn't gotten his team past the Sweet 16 in eight years. And I know he's done that with Juco two-star players, so he deserves credit for that. But maybe I'm just uh, – I, I really got burned – a couple of years ago, when West Virginia was knocked off by Stephen F. Austin in the opening round as a three seed, I had a lot of marbles in on West Virginia that season, and it didn't pan out. So maybe I'm just biased. Maybe it's just, you know, I, I can't buy into Bob Huggins making that deep run, even though he has a good team for it, because you want a veteran backcourt in March. Short turnarounds. Not much time to prepare. Chaotic game situations. You want veteran guards. He has that in Javon Carter and Daxter Miles. He's got Kanate now in the middle of big presence down low. And he's got a style that is difficult to prepare for on short notice, which you have to in those second games of, this, of the weekend in the NCAA tournament. So everything on paper says this is a chance for a nice run for Bob Huggins. I'm sorry. I just have to see it to believe it. So they would be the second best team, I would say. Hey, you know what? West Virginia could make a nice little run here and, and have a little uh, have a little magic to them. Outside of that, Kansas State, TCU, and Oklahoma, I'm sorry. There's no shot there. Uh, Oklahoma's a mess right now. Unless Trey Young has a Steph Curry moment in the NCAA tournament, which he could have, this team's a disaster. They're too reliant on him. And I put a lot of that on the feet of Lon Kruger. He has not done a good job adjusting as the season gone on. TCU defense is improving, but I'm sorry. It's too offensive of a team, I think, to make that kind of a noise, even though they're getting better with the loss of Jalen Fisher and Alex Robinson's coming on and all that. Kansas State's interesting. I think a 1-2 
of Barry Brown and Dean Wade can make a little noise in a one-and-done situation. But I, I, Bruce Weber, how are you going to pick a head coach that has yet to get past the round of 64 during his time in Manhattan and hasn't even reached a sweet 16 since 2005 when he got his Illinois team to the national championship game? I like Bruce Weber. I think he's a good head coach. But something about Bruce Weber and March Madness hasn't added up in over a decade. And that's something to look at. And I say, I'm not betting on that guy to make a deep run, even though I like a lot of the talent and I like the team that he has. A lot of the NCAA tournament comes down to coaching. A big part of it, a very underrated part of it, because you think about this chaotic tournament and you say, it's just kind of chaos and it's chips will fall where they may. Coaching is a huge part of it, not just X's and O's, but mentally is a massive part of how that goes. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us here, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We've got a lot to get to, and I want to hit on something that is kind of, oh, I don't know if bothered is the right word, but I will say surprised me in how it's been handled. We'll get to it next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So I'm not sure if you saw this and what exactly went down on our Twitter earlier this week, but uh, we got blocked by Texas A&M assistant coach Tim Brewster. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Great to be here with you. Uh, yeah, Tim Brewster is the assistant coach at Texas A&M that is making a lot of noise on Twitter. Problem is, he can't back it up with facts, and we've called him out on that time and time again. He's used to be at Florida State with Jimbo Fisher. He's now at A&M. He's, I called him a used car salesman, a huckster, uh, and I found out that he blocked us. You know, he had a big Twitter spat with Jalen Ramsey, the Pro Bowl cornerback now at the Jaguars during this week. And what happened was Brewster put up a poster on Twitter basically saying Jimbo Fisher knows his D-backs. And he put a picture of a bunch of guys like Jalen Ramsey who played at Florida State and were great defensive backs. Ramsey basically said, hey, there's nothing that Jimbo Fisher did that taught me how to be a cornerback. Good for him. It's true. Didn't do anything. So he calls him out, and I see this back and forth on Twitter, and then I look it up myself, but I can't see Tim Brewster's tweet. That's because I realized he blocked us at Heartland College Sports. So it's nice to know that we got so under his skin that he wanted nothing to do with Heartland College Sports. A a bit of a disappointment since he would get a lot of really good Big 12 news and information there if he so chose. Too bad. Quickly, also on the football front, uh, our own Derek Duke was at... Um, the opening, a Nike football event this past weekend in Houston. And he had a great conversation. It's on the website with Grant Gunnell, the Texas uh, top quarterback in the state of Texas for the class of 2019. And he's got 30-something offers. He did say his top two Big 12 schools were Oklahoma State and TCU. So you can see that on our website. Uh, Derek is a does a really good job on the recruiting trail for us. He's was in Houston this past weekend. He'll be in Dallas for another Nike event in a few weeks. So 
Uh, great job out of Derek, and and you know we're trying to give you as much inside information as we can on the recruiting front, and do it for free instead of trying to charge you an arm and a leg like some of these other uh, some of these other outlets. And you know who they are. All right, the big topic though that I haven't touched on yet that I need to touch on is well, where with the FBI investigation and college basketball and what it all means for the future of this sport. Obviously, it's a bad deal. Obviously, it's not a good situation for anybody involved. At the same time, you look at the guys on this list, the Big 12 players on this list. Current Texas player, Eric Davis. Former Kansas player, Josh Jackson. Iowa State's Monte Morris. Some of this stuff is like they had a meal with a guy who works for an agency. That was Monty Morris. I'm sorry. I mean, are you kidding me that we are going to get the FBI is going to spend its time and spend your money and my money on investigating kids getting free meals from agents? I realize it's technically against the law, but I don't know about you. I don't see that being the best way to spend my tax dollars. Call me crazy. I don't see that as being an efficient use of my time. Especially, and not to get in any way political, but when you see the absolute disaster the FBI has on its hands down in Parkland with the situation in Florida and the amount of red flags that they had and didn't take leads on, that's concerning to me. That's an issue. But we've got these guys out here you know, making sure that, I don't know, a guy like Monty Morris isn't having a free meal with somebody tied to an agency. That's ridiculous. And I'm not someone that says pay the players because I realize there are hurdles there due to Title IX. You can't just go pay the players. You go pay the players, then you got to pay the women's volleyball team. you got to pay the men's swimming team. All these places that make no money. So it's not that easy to just go out there and say pay the players. You can't do it. What you should do is get rid of the one-and-done rule. Easiest way to fix this, let the guys go right from high school to the pros. Get rid of this whole nonsense. That's the quickest way to fix it. But you know why they don't want to do that? Because NBA scouts don't want to be bothered by going to high school gyms. And they don't want to be bothered with dealing with busts. And they're less likely to have a bust if a guy goes to college for a year and they can then evaluate him further. So it's the NBA who's ultimately screwing its own player. You know, I've I've heard so much nonsense from guys like Stan Van Gundy saying that college basketball is basically racism. Look in the mirror at your own league. You guys created this situation that did not allow players to go directly from high school to the NBA. This was not an NCAA rule. College basketball would be better without the one and done. Because these guys show up for a year, they don't go to class. We know them for a month and a half in March and February, and then they're gone. There's no continuity to college basketball anymore. Let these guys go pro if they want to go pro, and that's it. And it's a very simple fix. The NBA has bungled it. It has not been the fault of the college basketball or NCAA. And that's not, a, you know, the NCAA has plenty to knock them for. They are far from a pure organization or anything close to it. But in this case, it's an NBA rule. And it's the NBA's fault that it's gotten to this point. Those are those are facts. So I don't know, you know, what's what. I'm not going to sit here and accuse Bill Self or Shaka Smart 
of you know paying players and and whatnot because there's so many layers to this thing where some of this involves agents going to players after they're done playing. What is a head coach supposed to do if a kid who's done with him goes and talks to an agent before he's legally supposed to? You know, you can't babysit these guys. And that's what a lot of this has become. It has been way overblown in terms of how they're handling it, how they're looking at it, how it's being assessed. And frankly, the whole thing's disappointing. I'm not shocked by any of it, but it's disappointing. You know, this is not Louisville, though. Well, Rick Patino, I mean, Slick Rick's got every trick up his sleeve. That's not the case for most of these coaches. And I saw a headline that, that uh, Dan Wetzel, Yahoo, said that, you know, 20 coaches could lose their jobs. Stop. 20 coaches aren't losing their jobs over this. They're not. If you're a good coach, you're going to keep your job. People don't care that much about players getting paid a little bit, the mom getting paid, or somebody, you know, getting um, a free stake at a local, you know, joint with uh, the sidekick of an agent really doesn't affect people that much. And I'm not losing in this insane world today. I am not losing any sleep over that. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Good guests coming up. We are going to talk with former Texas Longhorns quarterback David Ash. A lot of topics to go over. His career, concussions, the Longhorns, all that and more coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Mundo, final few minutes with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Really appreciate you guys joining us as always. And, and fantastic stuff from David Ash, the Texas Longhorns quarterback, former Texas Longhorns quarterback, joining us uh, earlier on the show. And if you missed the interview, just go to heartlandcollegesports.com. We have it up there as well if you want to hear the whole thing or listen to it again um, or just download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. So they're in all four locations. You can find it there. But that was that was really strong stuff from David Ash coming out and basically ripping this idea that the people in the NFL don't want to touch him because of his concussion history, because of how the media is going to spin it. And it's something I never really thought about for a guy in his shoes that is sitting there saying, okay, yes, I had these concussions in college. I had to retire because of it. I now have it under control. I know the risk I'm taking, and I'm going out there, and I'm playing because I love this game, and I want to make a living doing it. And David Ash just told us that he can't get taken seriously by some teams because of his concussion background, no matter how good he throws the ball, because they are afraid of the PR nightmare and the PR disaster that's going to come. Once certain media members find out that, oh my God, they signed a guy with a concussion history, how dare they go out there and do that? Who do they think they are? Don't they realize concussions kill people over the long term? And all these guys and former players are dealing with, uh, you know, basically brain dead. I mean, come on. And David Ash put it best when he just told us, I'm doing this because I love it. I'm doing this because I want to do it and I want to make a living playing football. Nobody's got a gun to my head saying, hey, you know, uh, you better get out of that field, boy. Nobody's doing that. But it would not prevent media overreaction 
And that's what David Ash pointed out. And I thought it was uh, brilliant. And it's something that I hadn't given a whole lot of thought to from a guy in his perspective that's trying to get back in the game. And he literally can't get as far as he wants to because he's playing football and he had concussions. And now he's trying to do it again under his own willingness. That's just that's sad. And it kind of tells us where we are. Um, And I think lawyers are a big part of that and a big problem in all this. Let's be honest. The uh, lawyers have not done uh, the idea of lawyers were a good thing in society when they started. In many cases, they no longer are. That's a fact. And there are instances time and time again, people are afraid of being sued and David Ash afraid of having to, you know, go back there one day and a team says, well, you know, we checked him out. He cleared. He came in. Well, you know, here's a lawsuit. People don't want to deal with that anymore. And they've been scared off because of that. And as a result, a guy like David Ash might not have the chances that he should based on his ability to throw a football and his ability to be a quarterback. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. So we do have a spring football starting up here. I mean, can you believe that? West Virginia started this week. TCU, Texas Tech. We have previews rolling out on the website, heartlandcollegesports.com. We're going to have previews about two days before every team starts. We'll have a preview on the site of kind of players to watch for, guys coming in, whether it's early enrollees, freshmen or transfers, whatever it is, um, areas to improve on. So we've got them all up on the site right now for the teams that are playing or have started this week. And I'll go through them real quick, just a couple of places that I want to kind of keep an eye on here over the coming few weeks. West Virginia, I want to see that defensive line. Adam Schuler transferred last week, right? I mean, that was kind of the big news of the week last week in Morgantown. And now Dante Stills comes in. Highest recruit in the class of 2018. Let's see what the kids got and let's roll from there in terms of whether or not he can be a legitimate plug-and-play true freshman. I think he can be, but you know, you never know with a true freshman. You just don't know. But it's a place that the Mountaineers desperately need help, need depth, and need some consistency. I thought Schuler was going to be a big part of this defense in 2018. That's obviously not going to be the case. But you saw that side of the ball, Tony Gibson, who had a great year in 2016, that unit struggled mightily in uh 2017. It was not a good year. Gibson gets a big contract and then his unit bombs out the following year. And I know he plays that 3-3-5 scheme. It puts a lot of pressure on the D-backs and there's you know, some turnover there as well with three guys leaving, but it all comes back to the D-line. Will Greer is cleared to play. David Sills, Gary Jennings. There is so much talent at the skill position that I'm not at all worried about what's going to go on offensively. As long as that middle finger for Will Greer is okay, his team's going to be just fine. It is. It's more about the other side of the ball. And after a 10-win season in 2016, and then falling back to that hearted Dallas ball last year, which I know might have been different if Greer didn't get injured um, against Texas late in the season, but still, that was not a, a pretty way for the Mountaineers to end the season Chris Chuganov has no business being on a Division I FBS football field. I'm sorry. He just he does not. Um, so that side is going to be fine. But what are we going to get from the other side of the ball? 
Meantime, you got a TCU which loses all those 20-plus seniors from last year, and who steps up as the leader? I think that's the biggest question. Gary Patterson's going to have talent. This is a consistent top half of the Big 12 team now, year in, year out. He's been recruiting at a Big 12 level, a top 25 level for some time. But who steps up as a leader? Ben Banigou is back on the defensive line. On the offensive side, does Sean Robinson pick that up? Is he able to just pick up where Kenny Hill left off? I don't know. He's a true sophomore. That remains to be seen. But that's what I'm looking for there. And then Texas Tech. Touching on the Red Raiders, from the quarterback to the offensive line, you know there's going to be wide receivers there. And defensively, David Gibbs, can he keep that thing going in a positive direction? A lot of that defense returns. Ironically, Texas Tech might need to rely on its defense at times this year more than the offense, and that is exciting in and of itself. We're out of time. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks, as always, guys, for joining us. Find us on the site, heartlandcollegesports.com, your Big 12 independent media outlet. We'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place, here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to this week's podcast. Please do rate, review, subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week.